I'll read Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 3, but then comment on only verse 3. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and this uh, clear prophecy of what Jesus would have to endure. And we thank you, Lord, for having revealed this and had this come to pass on this earth and having uh, opened our minds and hearts to receive this truth. And we pray now, Lord, that you would be honored as we remember what it is that Jesus has done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We start out in verse 3 with, He is despised and rejected by men. And we know that the world hated Jesus. And in the Gospels, we have evidence of this. And I'll read a few excerpts from the Gospels. In John 7, 7, Jesus himself said, The world hates me because I testify that its works are evil. And so here we have the reason why Jesus is hated. Because they don't like the message that he's brought to the earth. And then in John 15, 24, Uh, Jesus said of those that saw his miracles and yet refused to believe, he said this, They have seen and hated both me and my Father, that the word might be fulfilled. And the word that he quoted then was this, from Psalm 69, 4, Those who hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. So people hated Jesus, having not known him. It was, it was probably the popular thing to do in Jerusalem of that day, to hate Jesus. If you were with the establishment, if you were with the nation of Israel, if you were, let's say, a patriot perhaps even, you were opposing Jesus because that's what all the leaders were doing and that's what they were doing by uh, example and that's what the people who are really modeled, taught to follow leaders, that's what they would do, just really without thinking. And so the interesting thing about Isaiah 52 and 53, all that I'm going through, is the tenses of the verbs. I've just found it not perplexing, but just more amazing. Uh, the, The text go past, present, future. They just bounce all over the place. I, if, if I were more diligent in my studies, I would try, be trying to make sense out of that. But deep down I know that I probably don't have the capacity to understand what all is being conveyed there. But here it says, he is despised and rejected by men. And so there is this sense in which it was true in Jesus' day, it was true in our day. It's kind of forever true. Jesus will always be despised for who he is for the testimony that he brings in condemnation against this world. And the next verse, or the next portion of verse 3 says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And I'll again quote a few scriptures from the Gospels that acquaint us with his grief and sorrow. In Luke 19.41, he has just entered Jerusalem. It is the triumphal entry. 
and all of the people have gone out to praise him. And yet, what does he do? He weeps over the city. And so he is moved, not by what these people are doing to, to elevate him, to honor him. He's weeping over the city that he sees, and he knows what's going to happen to this city. In a mere 40 years, it's going to be destroyed. And he knows this, and he has compassion upon these people. In John chapter 11, I want to read an extended excerpt here. John 11, starting at verse 32. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And I'm going to stop right there. But twice here it mentions that he groaned. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And then he wept. And then again, Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. This word groaning is the same groaning that is referred to as creation groaning in travail looking for salvation, our creation longing to be free from the sin that plagues it, as well as the groaning that we have in our spirits that we cannot utter words to, to reveal to God. And so God has his spirit in us that can understand this groaning. And so in other words, when, when our despair is beyond words, this, it is this groaning that conveys this, this emotional state to God, and it's what Jesus is here conveying to God. In Gethsemane, I want to read a quote from Matthew. He says in Matthew uh, 26, verse 38, he says this, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. And now in that, at that same time, in the garden, as he's going back and forth to the disciples who have now fallen asleep, it says this in Luke, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, then his sweat became like great drops of blood. This is where he had pled to God his Father to lift this burden from him, if he could. And yet he acquiesced, he said, but if this is your will, let it be so. So he pled with his Father to remove this from him. Even here, as he's on his last night, really, with, with uh, relative safety. Uh, he's pleading with God to free him from what he's facing. And then uh, I'll go on to the next portion of verse uh, 3. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Now, I want you to notice something, and let me read again. He is despised and rejected by men. That's the first sentence. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's the second. And then and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. It suddenly becomes personal. The first two verses are not personal, but this one is personal. And so I believe we're included in this. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But now it's much more personal. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And so now we're talking about the people who should know better, the people who should embrace Christ, 
the people who know that they were expecting a savior, who understand what evil is. And even these people did not embrace Christ. John 1.11 read this, and if you remember John 1, 1 through 18 was read for centuries in the church because it's beautiful. And it says this, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. So he was rejected by everybody. So now nobody remained true to him that night in Gethsemane, all ran away. And earlier in the evening when he'd had supper with them, he told them that that would happen. And they all denied it. Let's not just pick on Peter. Peter was singled out for a special type of abandonment and then a special type of restoration with Christ later, but all denied that they would walk away from him, and yet they all did. And you remember the verse, you know, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Who is the I there? It's God the Father himself would strike down Jesus and all the sheep would be scattered. So now the last verse here, or the last portion, he was despised and we did not esteem him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. You see how it starts and ends with the same phrase. He is despised and rejected by men. That's more general, that's more broad. But here, he was despised and we did not esteem him. And I believe even still, we sometimes as Christians fail to esteem Christ when he is despised. We just are cowards at times and we do not stand up for Christ. And we know at this time in our country, Christ is under attack. He's under attack all across this country, all, ac all around the world. And many of us give in to that in small but increasingly meaningful ways, I believe. If we don't stand firm for him, then we are denying him. And so that's how he simply put it. Uh, that's how Paul simply put it in Colossians. We must stand for him. So now, let me read from Psalm 22. Psalm 22 and this, uh, Isaiah 53, really do parallel one another in some ways, and they almost interleave. I think Isaiah, as he's writing this, probably has Psalm 22 in mind, and I want to read, I think, uh, five verses, four, four verses from this. I'll read only verse 6, and then I'll skip ahead to 22. I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. So this is, of course, Jesus speaking of himself. And then starting up at verse 22, this is God the Father speaking. Or no, this is uh, uh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he heard. So we can see here that in the Godhead, we have the Son beginning to speak in verse 22, I will declaim, declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. And then by verse 24, we see it's God the Father who is speaking, it, that is being spoken of. He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he heard. Now, man despised and rejected Jesus. And even his own hid their faces from him. And yet the father neither despised nor hid his face from Jesus, but he did reject him because Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is rejection. But 
It is a rejection because he had taken the sin of the world upon himself. And so, but yet, even then, even in the midst of that, God, it says, did not hide his face from him. So see, God, unlike us, unlike, unlike we cowards, we turn our face away when we see this. We see this thing that we can't stop, we can't prevent, that we really don't understand. And we're almost embarrassed to be identified with it. And yet God, the Father, did not turn his face away, Scripture says. Now, there's one other thing I want to say here because I kind of talked a little bit about the weeping, the grief and sorrow that Jesus experienced on earth. There is no record in Scripture of Jesus laughing. Now, I am not going to say that he didn't laugh, but there at least is no record in Scripture of him laughing. And so uh, last week I mentioned some of these things that portray Jesus in a different light that I'm accustomed to him. One of the Jesuses that I've seen on TV, he's so lighthearted and carefree and laughing. I mean, he's like giggling like a schoolgirl. That's not the Jesus I know either. Now, Jesus may have laughed, but it was never a laugh like that, this carefree laugh. He always had the sorrow and grief on his shoulders, the sorrow that he would bear for us. And I ask you, why is it that there is no record in Scripture of Jesus laughing? I think it's for this reason. It's for the fact that Jesus did not laugh, and we have a record of him weeping, such that we can laugh and need not weep. We come to Christ with joy. We come to Christ with uh, happiness, with, with just uh, satisfaction, deep-seated satisfaction. And so there is nothing for us to weep over unless it's for joy. And of course, I'm not talking about that type. I'm talking about the weeping that is uh, driven directly from sorrow, from grief, from despair. So that we see recorded in the scripture of Christ. But we don't see that lighthearted humor that we see sometimes conveyed in film. So I just want you to be reminded that he did live an earthly life, and yet it, the whole life, not just on the cross, but his whole life was sacrificial. He was always aware of the fact that he would one day bear this burden. And so we thank him for that. And as we come to the table, we thank him for the fact that we don't come weeping. We come rejoicing. So let's rejoice. Father, we thank you for your word that reminds us of how uh, Jesus was led as the lamb to the slaughter, but that uh, he endured this all on our behalf. And so we praise you, Father, for this plan. Uh, it was alluded to earlier in the prayer of supplication and in the prayer of adoration even, that uh, this is an amazing plan. So it is not something that has entered into the mind of man. And yet, Father, you planned this, and you have uh, brought about this conquering of evil, this conquering of uh, uh, pride and, and uh, self-righteousness, and yet you've conquered it, Father, through the righteousness of your Son and through the humility of what he endured. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.